It's interesting how for so many people, sex in the city has become a blueprint for the ideal New York City lifestyle and experience. You want to have your Mr. Big fantasy, sipping Cosmos in restaurants with your friends, and splashed by a bus at the corner of Fifth Avenue as you live out your main character title sequence. Well, maybe not the splash part, but as Carrie says, and just like that, here I am, a young gay man living in New York City in an era when the dating game has become more of a game of Russian roulette. Join me, Kaven Hendren, as we talk about how a single character inspired countless people and created the ideal New York City lifestyle we all want to live. We'll talk about dates, share stories, and of course, sip a few Cosmos along the way. This is The Bradshaw Effect. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bradshaw Effect. My name is Kaven Hendren, and oh my gosh, I'm doing my first ever podcast, and this is amazing. Uh, those who know me well know that I've always wanted to have my own podcast. It has been a dream of mine for as long as I can remember. Um, some say it's because I like to hear myself talk, but I disagree. Um, <laughs> but I, I am just so excited to go on this 10-episode uh, journey with you all and for you all to hear these amazing guests that are going to come in and share some hilarious and inspiring stories. And, you know, that's why I did this podcast. I wanted to create a community and a space for people to come and share their stories of where they've been, where they're at, and where they're going. Um, and especially here in New York City, because, you know, the only preconception I had of living in New York was because of Sex in the City. And so that's why I've themed this podcast around that. Um, I think it's important for us to write our own stories based on our voices and experiences and not live a, um, an authentic life based on what we want it to be because of what we're presented through shows like Sex and the City. But yeah, to everybody who has made this podcast a reality from behind the microphone to in front of the microphone, thank you times a million because this would not be possible without all of you. So I guess we can start with my story. Um, I kind of wanted just to give like a little background of me and who I am for those who don't know me. And for those who do, you just get to hear it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I said, my name is Kaven Hendren. I am originally from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I was adopted there at a very young age and was put with this wonderful family. Um, and from as long as I can remember, I have always had a passion and a desire to be in the performing arts world and career field. Um, I remember whenever I first saw the Grinch movie with Jim Carrey, um, I wanted to dress up like the Grinch and act like the Grinch around my house. And my grandfather had these old, really long orange work gloves that I would put on because whenever I put them on, they had like the long fingers like the Grinch and I could run around and talk like this and be, blah, 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 and, <laughs> and be goofy. And um, I'm sure that was very entertaining for my family. But um, I think from that moment, they could kind of tell, hey, this kid, he's, he's got a passion for this. So they put me in some theater camps. And I navigated my way through that. And, you know, it was interesting, because I think like a lot of uh, young queer children, I, whenever I was figuring out my sexuality, I definitely, you know, knew that I was different before I knew what it was. Um, and on top of that, being adopted by an older family, 
I was out of touch with the pop culture references, with all of these other things. So I just kind of feel like um, between that and also struggling to figure out my sexual identity, and then on top of that, being a theater kid, <laughs> I had the whole little sandwich, as it were, um, of being the odd one out. But um, I managed, as we always do, to find a really great support system of friends um, that got me through school. And I continued to do performance during school. I was in the school plays. Um, and then I, somewhere along the line, decided, you know, if I want to keep creating, how can I do that besides being on a stage? And that segued me into figuring out I can write my own stories because that's what I do when I'm playing pretend in the backyard or in my room. So why not take that to the next level too. I'm taking the performance to the next level by auditioning for these shows at school and, and performing in them. So why not do the same with writing and creating? And so I started to dabble in writing um, in middle school and it was kind of just all over the place. I remember I wrote some short stories. I wrote some short films that I wanted to do eventually, but never was able to. And then once I got into high school, I actually started to like have my eyes opened up for this whole world in front of me that I didn't even think that I could pursue as a full-time career. I could write and um, perform and do graphic design and marketing, which was something I also figured out I like to do. Um, it's a term like the multi-hyphenate artist is something that I've been hearing a lot in the New York theater industry right now. And that was at a time where I thought you could only do one thing and you had to pick one thing. And I am so glad that I trusted my gut from the beginning and never let someone tell me I couldn't do multiple things because at the end of the day, that's really what made me the happiest was being able to do a little bit of here, a little bit there. Um, because I thought at the end of the day, it just made me, you know, multifaceted and a better rounded artist. So as I kept trekking through high school, um, college application time was getting closer and so I had to figure out where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, and um, because I was from a low-income household, I knew wherever I went I was going to have to pay for my own tuition and put myself through college. Um, so that kind of crossed out some options that I otherwise would have, you know, tried to apply for. Um, but I applied for two schools, actually only two. I applied for the Savannah College of Art and Design, um, or SCAD for film and TV writing and actually got accepted. Um, I didn't end up going because of the price of tuition and the scholarships I was offered wasn't enough. Um, but I ended up going to Western Kentucky University and studied theater and then ended up doing a BFA in musical theater, but we'll get to that in a minute. Now, before I go on to this next section, I do want to kind of give a trigger warning um, for some things I'm going to discuss. Um, some people um, might, you know, find it a little bit disturbing, but it's a part of my story. And so it's important for me to share it because it is very much um, the reason of who I am and why I am the way that I am today. Um, and so I'm going to get into that now. So while I was in high school, um, I was still, you know, dealing with the sexual identity part of my story and my life. Um, I knew that I was gay, but I kept denying it when people would ask me. And I was doing a lot of self, you know, discovery of why do I do that? Um, I knew that my family would probably support me, but, you know, it's still terrifying to, you know, want to bring it up and talk about it. Um, 
But as I was going through this uh, major part of my um, coming out story, my cousin played baseball at one of the local um, baseball tournaments and teams, and there's a big hiking facility that goes behind the baseball fields. And um, those who know me know that I do not like sports. I, you know, I applaud people who who like sports and will do sports, but they are just not my jam. So when my cousin was playing baseball, I would go and walk the hiking trails by myself um, just because I love nature. I love hiking. I love walking. Um, it's a very therapeutic thing for me, even then at that young age. So um, I went off and was walking and I ended up walking a little bit too far from where I normally do, and I found myself lost. Um, I found this woman who was walking with her dog, and I kind of started trailing behind them because I figured that they might, you know, be my way out and figure out where I am, but then I lost them, and so I was kind of on my own for a minute. And as I came over this little ridge um, in this tree nook, there was this guy, he had to be... 26, 27. He looked um, like a stereotypical frat boy. Um, And he had a bike and he was on his phone just chilling. And I felt comfortable approaching him. So I went up and I was just like, you know, hey, I don't know where I am. Um, Would you maybe be able to help me get back to the main trail? And so he pulled out a bike map of like the trails surrounding and I walked over there to um, look at him and he was like, oh my gosh, yeah, here you go. So as I'm looking at the map, um, I feel something press against my back and I hear a gun um, click, like the the cocking of a gun. And um, he proceeds to tell me that he has a gun to my back and proceeds to um, sexually assault me in the middle of the woods with a gun pointed to my head. Um, And it was the most traumatic thing um, to ever happen to me. Um, after it happened, I, the only reason why it stopped is because, um, he heard someone walking and pushed me down and took off on his bike and I never saw him again. Um, I didn't tell anybody for, um, almost two years because it was just something that I thought if I didn't acknowledge it, it didn't happen. It didn't exist. And, um, in retrospect, I really wish I would have talked about it sooner, because, but because I didn't, um, I actually have diagnosed uh, PTSD from it. Um, certain things will trigger me into panic attacks or anxiety attacks because of um, what that human did to me. Um, so for anybody who um, is dealing with things like this, maybe, if you are, I want you to know that you're not alone and that there are people out there that you can talk to and share your story so you don't have to deal with that um, pressure and those things alone, because that's not fair to you, um, or to the people that love you and are there for you. Yeah. I just wanted to share that story because it's a, it's a part of my story. I can't hide from it. Um, and it definitely shaped me into the human that I am now, um, behind my smile, which is a book I just published, which is a series of, um, poems and letters to myself that I published. Um, a lot of that book is was healing from from that story even to this day um interactions that i have with people i'm still healing in different ways because you know that was a piece of me taken that i have to slowly um build back with experience and love from myself um and obviously from people around me but 
a lot of it from myself. So after that happened, um, I kind of just threw myself into performing and writing a lot more because then it became way more of, I know we call performing and writing a lot of times an escape from our life, but for me, it truly became an escape. It became my safe space. It became the space where I could trust people again because they were characters that I was writing and creating, or they were characters that I was getting to be um, a conduit for to, you know, tell their stories. I got to tell someone else's story instead of my own. I, and, um, you know, obviously I'm telling my story now, but for the time, um, that Olive was going through all of this, that was really my healing. And so then when I went to college, um, I found some of the most amazing people that I'm still friends with today um, that helped me get through that time and um, did a lot of healing, did a lot of growing, did a lot of learning. And I look back at the person that came into college damaged and bruised, and I am just um, proud of the person that I know that I've become, not only on the outside, but on the inside. So once I got through college, I was at my senior year, I had I ended up becoming a BFA in musical theater instead of just regular theater because um, the amazing professors at WKU and my colleagues um, really pushed me to make that change because they were like, you can sing, you can do this, you, like this is something you have to do. Um, and I'm very happy I had that support because um, I did, I grew a lot and I took that rejection and I turned it um into my drive um, to grow and to learn. And so I, yeah, ended up graduating with a BFA in musical theater. My senior year, um, we came to New York City to do a showcase for some casting directors and agents. And that moment was the moment when I got to New York where I was like, I have to be here. This is what I'm meant to do and I meant to do it here. Um, if I'm not performing, I'm writing here. Uh, if I'm not writing here, I'm designing and marketing here. Whatever it is, it, it's in New York. Um, I have never felt at home somewhere so fast. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with being the Southern boy who, you know, got stared at as he walked back to his table through the restaurant because he was the gay one. Or um, if I wanted to present a little bit more feminine um, Lee with my clothing, um, was stared at, but in New York, no one cared. Um, or there, there were 10,000 other people presenting themselves and being their authentic self, just like me. So, um, that was so powerful. And I'm so glad that I had that experience to come up here in college and have that taste, um, of New York before fully moving to New York. So as we left New York and got back to school, um, the story goes as it goes for everybody. March of 2020 rolled around <laughs> and the COVID-19 pandemic came into play and shut the world down. And, um, you know, I couldn't go home because my family was older and I didn't want to risk exposing them to an unknown virus that no one knew about. So um, I isolated and locked down in our apartment called Stonehenge, which was in Bowling Green on the WKU campus. Um, and I was there with my roommates who lived with me. And, you know, eventually as the months and the weeks went on, some people started to go home. And um, so it ended up being at the end, just me and my roommate, Austin. And I'm so glad that I had him and, you know, before everybody left, the other friends there too, because that was such a scary time for everybody. But, you know, having people there with you made it a little bit more bearable. 
Um, and then as that summer rolled around, you know, I had plans where I was trying to move to New York that fall. I was hoping for some summer stock jobs that were hopefully going to line up. But then, you know, as the weeks turned into months and the months turned into, you know, we're still phasing out the pandemic now, three years later, um, I was very thankful to be introduced to uh, the Lexington Theater Company, um, led by the amazing Lindy Franklin Smith and Jeremy Smith. And they created this absolutely incredible um, online community for artists like myself that were hoping to have some summer plans, have a place to come together every day for a couple of weeks over the summer to learn from industry professionals that they brought in um, to talk about our industry and where our industry was maybe going after the pandemic and, you know, do dance classes and things on, on Zoom. And I have just truly never felt so heard, seen, and nurtured as a storyteller and an artist. And uh, after that summer, I was like, I, I got the bug. I need more of this. And so I continued with their artistic development program uh, for three semesters after that, I believe, um, where it was Lindy and uh, Patrick O'Neill taught it. And you know, I met some people in that class that I'm still friends with today. We live in like where I, we all live in New York. So we're able to see each other, go get drinks, get coffee, whatever. Um, and we all met each other through a Zoom box. And that's just, you know, crazy. And I think speaks to the community that Lindy, Patrick, um, and everybody made through those Zoom classes. But one of the big things that we talked about in those classes is our why statements as artists and why we do what we do. I mean, we all can say, well, I act because I like telling stories. I like being a part of this community. Well, that's great. But, you know, when the pandemic happened and we all had to look at our careers and say, how do we pivot? How do we still do what makes us happy and get that fulfillment, but not with a stage? So I found that my personal why statement as an artist and a storyteller is to tell stories of those who are different, alone, or feel lost because I believe that everybody deserves to have their story told. So finding that why statement, I found, wait, I can do this through writing. I can do this through design. I can do it anywhere. It doesn't have to be just on a stage. Um, and the moment I made that discovery, I feel like endless roads opened up in front of me. Um, as a artist and a storyteller, like the possibilities were endless. And um, I tell them every time I see them, but Lindy and Patrick, thank you, thank you, because of you all. I just feel so much more sure of myself as an artist. Like I, I feel like I can go through this industry knowing myself more than anybody. And, you know, one of the things we talked about in the room was coming in um, to the audition room if you're a performer, coming in with the people behind the table as potential collaborators and not the uneven um, authority scale where you walk in and you feel like you're lesser than than the people behind the table. When it's like, you have something to share, you have a gift to share. So come in at the same level and on the same playing field. Don't, you know, sell yourself short. Um, because if that doesn't work out, that just wasn't the fit. Because all this job is, especially as performers, is finding the fit and finding those collaborators that are in a line with our why. And not to mention that coming in with this mindset of finding the fit with your collaborators kind of takes away the stress of competition and the anxiety that comes from auditioning. Because then if you don't get the gig or get the audition that you go in to try to book, you can then just have the mindset of, you know, it wasn't the fit, but you know what? The right fit is somewhere and I just have to find it.
So after these classes, I really felt like a brand new artist. I felt like I had a clearer sense of why I do what I do. I felt like I had a clearer sense of the path that I need to be on to live a fulfilling life in this industry. So I then started to refocus when I'm moving to New York and how I was going to get here. I lived in Lexington for two years at this apartment as I was getting ready to move to New York City. And in that time while I was living in Lexington, I ended up actually getting to do uh, The Little Mermaid with the Lex. And I played Chef Louis. And that was my first professional regional theater job. Um, and I just felt like that was a full circle moment that I got to um, learn with them during the pandemic and really, you know, become essentially a whole new artist with them and then finally got to be on stage with them and in a lot of ways take the things that I learned about myself as a performer and put it to use in one of their shows and um Right after Little Mermaid, I moved to New York City. So in a lot of ways, it was a nice send-off onto my next chapter, um, using everything that they had taught me, and I got to do it with them too. So that was a very special moment for me. But yeah, I moved to New York on September 1st of 2022. And, you know, I will say the first uh, four months of living here were pretty rough. They were hell. But um, in that, I will say I have a whole newfound... Uh, respect for people that give up their life of, you know, being comfortable maybe in their hometown or whatever to move to New York because it takes guts. It takes bravery. It's uncomfortable. Um, and yes, New York very much is the city of opportunity and you get out of the city what you put into it. So if you show up every day and show out, things will eventually come back to you. But, you know, sometimes waking up and showing up is hard. And especially if the city keeps kicking you down, if life's kicking you down, it's hard to kind of just go in your cave and not come out. But um, I'm so happy that, you know, through taking classes up here and finding my circle of my chosen family, that I have people that, you know, inspire me to show up every day and to push myself to constantly be better. And, you know, I still feel like every single day that I go to class every week, I, I feel like I'm still growing into somebody who, little Caven you know, looking at me now would be very proud of and um, very happy with. But yeah, moving up here was not easy. And, you know, I had seen Sex in the City. So I had an idea of what I thought living here was going to be like. I like I have in the title sequence for this podcast, I thought it was going to be sipping Cosmos on Fifth Avenue with my friends and, you know, gossiping and, you know, sharing some laughs. But it it has been that in some cases, but it has been so much more fulfilling in the way of how I've had to fail and learn um, along the way. I've had to learn how to live in New York. I've had to learn how to adapt and to change um, not only, you know, what I do, but me. I've had to change me and I've had to grow and learn. And that has been incredibly more rewarding than the uh, Carrie Bradshaw fantasy <laughs> that I was anticipating. But yeah, I have this joke that if I ever write a memoir, it's going to be called Nothing I Wanted But Everything That I Needed because I think that that pretty much describes my life in a nutshell. Because like the thing is, 
at the end of the day, I would not trade any of my experiences for anything, even the bad ones, because they have all shaped me into the person that I am today. And my knowledge and my growth has been something that is so special to me, especially now, like looking back on it in this new place of my life, that I think that has been essential uh, to becoming the person that I am. And just like that, we've reached the end of the first episode of The Bradshaw Effect. Thank you all so much for joining me on this journey of the first episode. I am so excited to get this podcast going and for you all to see all the things that we have in store and not to mention all the amazing guests that we have that are going to be coming in, sharing their stories of moving and living in New York. And I will continue to share some of my stories along the way as well. But yeah, for the first episode, like I said, I just kind of wanted to give a little bit more of a story of my own life and where I'm at and where I'm going. But yeah, I'm so excited, you all. If you all have any questions that you want answered about living in New York, about our lives, whatever it might be, send them into my email and we'll answer them on the show. Um, My email's in the show notes, which is the description. And I look forward to seeing you all next week. And just like that, bye! (laughs) Ha ha ha!